Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. This is called Exiting the False Race. That's a great picture, Nicole. And I'm going to give the two scriptures on this. And then we're going to go over this a little bit. And then we're going to talk about tonight how in your groups, um, how the group leaders could help handle this, how you could ask questions about this. This is, this race here is the race you do not want to encourage in your groups. Okay? So if you hear people talking from this race, you need to stop them. And say, let's get in the race where there's faith. Okay? And, I, and I'm not... Rebuke and correction is, is a gift from God. Amen? So when I hear you in the wrong race, even if it's just being, you know, just your human. How many know I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus? I can't just say I'm human anymore. Okay? And the, the only race that you're running in Christ is in Christ. Amen? So I want everybody to say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not just a human. <laughs> I'm a human being made in the image of God with Holy Spirit. The real Holy Spirit. Ooh, the powerful Holy Spirit. The one that raised Jesus from the dead. That Holy Spirit is inside of me. He's inside of me. No weapon formed against me can prosper. No weapon formed against sharing can prosper. Whew. Don't you feel it? See, because we're in the race where there's faith. Amen. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me tell you guys, I'm going to get you. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it for some of you. I got to get you out of the false race. So we're going to talk tonight about the false race, okay? Now, for those who are new at watching this, we want you to get a notebook. How many people have notebooks? Um, I really encourage real notebooks. I know some of you do everything on, tech, on technology, and that's fine if you really do it. But um, the reason behind having a strategic way to do this is because this is a lifestyle that I want you to, this is part of your prayer lifestyle, amen? And the enemy likes to keep you over on the wrong track and he makes, wants to make you think about this and this. And I learned a long time ago, one way to quit, to quit thinking on things was to write them down and deal with them, amen? And so God's given us the two ways to do this together. And one is from the Hebrews, where we're running the race and he is the author and finisher and we've been talking about that and you've talked about it and how many know you still got a long time years to work on on getting free from entanglements which is codependent relationships unbalanced relationships relationships that are keeping you out of running the race an entanglement doesn't mean you're in the wrong race right but if you have an entanglement think of it as something wrapped around your leg you're not going very far 
So here you are in this race, but you never seem to really get anywhere. Well, he says to get rid of those entanglements. So if you stay in a, um, if you do not overcome in a codependent relationship, what I mean by codependent, somebody's trying to take the place of God in that relationship. It's either you or them or both. Somebody's God and some, somebody's the savior and somebody's the one who needs to be rescued. Somebody's the bad guy and somebody's the victim and everything is codependent garbage. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you're going to bust a lot of eggshells getting free from entanglements. Amen. And, and so we talked about that. Go listen to the teaching again. Listen again. How many know any of these topics we could go on for a long time? What we're going to do, we're going to put the worksheets together, do an overview of everything. And by the time God says, okay, that's the last worksheet, then we got an entire workbook, right? To sit down in groups and still go over at home. All right. These are put together supernaturally by God, uh, usually the day before or the day of Tuesday night meeting. All right. All right. Second, so the main scriptures he gave me for this one, Second Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. How many know we have preached that and preached that and preached that? Amen. And there's lots of teaching on it, on the mentorship. So those who are watching and those even here, I encourage you, if you're international, the mentorship is absolutely free. If you're in the States, um, we're asking for a $20 love offering a month with access people to hundreds of hours of video and teaching in a nice order. It costs some money for people to put that together. Amen. And so we're asking you to be a part of sewing into that whole project, which also then it goes international for free. It trains up pastors, leaders across the nations. Amen. So you're actually sewing into that, even if you never open up the website for the mentorship. But I really encourage you to, because it's in, to, how many know you've gone over to our, our library here and you look over things and it takes forever to find the topic you want, right? But if you go on there, you just type in the topic and it all comes up. Are you okay? All right. So, so the false race is going to be fear-based. And sometimes you don't even realize it's fear. Do you know it's fear if you're trying to prove something is a lie? Do you know it's fear if you're trying to prove you're okay? Who are you, who are you, who are you proving anything to? Don't you think God knows? Who else matters? Because sometimes there's things that are fear that you don't realize are fear. I'm trying to prove something because deep down I'm afraid that people don't love me or I'm afraid something's wrong with me or I'm afraid uh, something somebody said to me is true when it's a lie. Get what I'm saying? So when you're looking at exit, exiting this false race and for those who are leading groups, Recognize when somebody is talking fear-based. How many know a lot of fear is taught in the church? Spirit of error, wrong doctrine. You don't approach things. I don't want pretended faith, but I, I certainly don't want fear, uh, fear anything. Amen? If you're in fear, even if you hear something, whew, if you hear something negative or, or the enemy's up to, and your first thought is, oh, no. How many know that's usually our first thought, right? Come on. We need to start changing that to, oh, devil, get out of here. Amen? We, we need to, God can do the impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen? 
And so when, when my reaction is fear-based, I have to get along with God until it's faith-based, okay? And y'all have heard the stories. I'll just give this one really fast. Um, you also got to get your motives right. When someone in my family who um, I'm not close to at all, and I won't say I've ever appreciated them being in my family, amen? They, they were just some really mean things. And um, so when I heard that they were in a life and death situation that had probably a 3% possibility of survival. And just because of elimination, because of certain things, I was the one asked to go meet my dad at the hospital. And I'm teaching you all these things, not because I want to tell all my stories, because this is how it happens with me. I live it out in such real detail that you, when I'm speaking my stories, my testimonies, then you go, oh yeah, oh yeah. That's, that's why God has me teaching like this, okay? And yes, if you've heard, you'll hear the main stories over and over. Why? Because they're the main stories. Are there a million others? Yeah, but these are the more dramatic ones that get the point across, okay? But you've heard this, but I want you to see this about the race. As soon as I heard... Now, let me say, in this situation, the person's older. In this situation, um, there was a consensus that, well, as long as she's right with God, that might be for the best. And what kind of future? This person already had a dementia. This person already had um, uh, some real health issues. There was also looking at this person being a burden on someone that we care about, that we didn't want health issues. All right, what happened? All of a sudden, I'm in the wrong race. All of a sudden, I hear about it, and I'm thinking about why God maybe shouldn't heal this person. Okay, oh, none of y'all are that human, are you? No, because we are divine nature, amen? How many know we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and we have a divine nature in us, but we're always having to crucify the human nature? Amen? So that's real. Oh, this is good. So if I step out in the divine nature, hanging out with God, talking to God, seeing things from his perspective, being changed, right? I'm in the right race. If I step out in my human fallen nature and start rationalizing and reasoning and figuring out, you know, why this couldn't possibly happen. Okay, what's happening if I'm in the false race? I am now taking the place of God. I am now letting my reasoning and say and any personal issues and any of my own thoughts begin to say what should happen. How many know you don't want somebody praying for you who just as soon you don't live? Unless you're ready, to, unless you're really ready to go be with God. I mean, I'll probably set up and slap somebody upside the head and say, hey, I ran my race, leave me alone. But you see what I'm saying? Okay, do y'all get this? Okay, I'm trying to really, I'm being led of the Holy Spirit, because I don't pre-think about any of this, to help you to see how to stop yourself and stay in the correct race. Your life will totally change if you get out of this false race. Can you see that? Can you get kind of like, God's using these particular parallels on purpose to show you how to help you to see this, because really, biblical stuff can just be all over the place, right? I mean, so, so the first thing I had to do was to get honest with God. That's why we get to talk to him called prayer and say, God, I don't think my heart is right to go to this situation and to pray. Okay. I honest, can, can I say this in the correct race? 
You're talking to the real God, the author and finisher of your faith. He already knows the hidden things in the heart more than you do. He knows our hearts are wicked and evil until we have him change them. Amen? Which is a process that he's always doing, right? Because that's what he's up to. God will put you into some very uncomfortable, let me see this. Life will put you into some uncomfortable situations. In this situation, God was putting me in there. Amen? God was saying, I want you to go. Okay, when, when my human side was like, I don't really want to go. And then my, my talking to God side said, I don't think I have the faith to believe for healing here. I, I don't, I know, I, I don't think you're giving me that faith. And Lord, I, I need to love this person. And God said, I want, I, God said, you are going to love this person before you get to the hospital. I said, well, then it's going to take a supernatural act from a God where nothing's impossible, right? So as we're driving, because I really didn't want to go into that hospital. I have a reverent fear of the Lord. Amen. I don't want to go in and not have faith for what my dad wanted me to come and pray for. Amen. For what my dad was believing for. All right. So I, I get there. Uh, I'm driving and all of a sudden the Lord says to me, who do you want to be in charge of when your life ends and how it ends? Me or the enemy? I said, well, you. He said, then you better let me be in charge of this person's life and do what I tell you. All right, let that one sink in. You reap what you sow, you reap what you sow, you reap what you sow. And then he says, who are you to judge another man's servant? For to their master, they will stand or they will fall. Who are you to make any intellectual decision about how this should go? How many know that God's not worried about uh, what seems to be convenient or whatever? You know what I'm saying? So, so we have to get to this place to see. Okay, then he starts to build up. The, even the way we were talking, I'm thinking, God, you must, maybe you're actually going to heal this person. Now we're talking like, I'm not sure the exact numbers, but about a three or four percent chance. This person had a blood caught as big as my hand right over their heart and lungs. As big as my hand. The doctors didn't know how they were even still alive. And the dilemma was, she has almost no chance. So do we go through with the surgery or do we try the medicines that dissolve it? And they were like, well, with the medicines, there's no way we can get to it fast enough. And with the surgery, it's just a lot of going through something with a very small chance of making it. Now, your human mind might say, well, you know, she's had a good life. She's been around a long time. And, and that's, a good, that's human thought, amen? You could get demonic if you hate her and you just glad she died. Oh, that's terrible. Wasn't there, thank God. But some people are, let's be real, amen? That's why you watch who you have come pray for you. I don't want anybody praying for me from their human thinking. I definitely don't want anybody praying for me from their demonic thinking. And I want people praying led by the Holy Spirit and faith only. So I'll give you another principle. Whoever you ask to pray, you let all their mess into the situation. That's why I wanted a scripture. That's why I already knew all of you cared and loved Sharon before we prayed tonight. And, and so, and there was some places I was a little, okay, Lord, but he's like, don't worry about it. Their heart 
is right. And everybody's growing together in this. Amen? Okay. Mm. Which is why you just don't let everybody lay hands on you. The Bible says don't lay hands on people lightly. There is a transference of spirits that can happen with the laying on of hands. Well, now Jesus, no, Jesus only did what he saw his father do people. He walked past sick people all the time and didn't heal them. He even told the one woman, yep, I, came for the, I came for the Israel. I didn't come for, for Gentiles. And then she amazed him with her faith. And, it, and it, it got his heart and the father said, heal her. Amen. So how cool is that? I want the kind of faith that cannot be offended that if it was going to be a no, God changes it to a yes. Amen. Or, or let's say more what he was doing is he, he was, was putting it above the season where she was really at. Sometimes we need miracles that beyond the season where we're really walking. Amen. All right. So, so we need to deal with, um, we need to make sure we're not being led by fear or selfish motives. So you kind of get what I'm saying. You can't put everything on one little sheet of paper that's really about everything counterfeit. The second scripture that's really good is there is Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right, what does this tell me if I have condemnation as a believer? I'm walking according to the flesh. It doesn't say you cannot have no condemnation. It says if you're walking in the spirit, you'll have no condemnation. All right, so put this somewhere on your worksheet. I need to start walking in the spirit. So you need to start building up your spirit man, praying in tongues. You need to be in the word of God. You need to be listening to worship music. Do you know you choose how close you are to God by drawing near to him and how strong you are in the things of God. It has to be in faith. If I do all those things in fear and condemnation, then it's works that, that can lead to death or it means nothing or it makes me a hyper-spiritual or it makes me um, a hypocrite. It's like so confusing. It's not confusing. You just got to take some time and calm down and say, Lord, help me to get into faith. So when I got in that car to go to the hospital, okay, I knew I wasn't in faith. I was in the flesh. I wasn't demonic, but I was in the flesh, okay? And I didn't want to be in the flesh. Now, the way we're, ter the terminology we're using now is I wanted to be in the race. Amen. I wanted this to be part of the race. I didn't want to take a, th so I, excuse me, I'm leaving the race for a little bit, Lord. I'm going to go pray for somebody, <laughs> right? <laughs> Amen. I needed right motives and I needed a right heart. So I said, Lord, you have to give me your heart for this. You have to cleanse my motives. So he did it. How many know when you really start hearing God, he can say something in one sentence to straighten you out? When he said, okay, who do you want in charge of when, when you die? Do you want it to be, uh, do you want it to be the enemy using somebody's flesh? Or do you want it to be me? Who do you want in charge of when your children die? Who do you want in charge of when your spouse dies? Anybody you have authority in their lives? Who do you want in charge of that? How many know that was a pretty good get the fear of the Lord in me and say, oh, yes, sir. Amen. Okay. And I, I'm teaching you because God will give you faith in this walk with him 
as you hear him and you walk with him and he'll teach you things. Amen. That's why you want to be in the right race. It's really exciting because it's always exciting and we're all in that race. We're not comparing ourselves, but I'm going to tell you what people undercovering are not in that race. That is a gigantic entanglement. I'll just say it. That's an entanglement to hold them back at the beginning line. They'll watch other people run the race. Oh, look at the fivefold ministry running the race. They're so spiritual, so close to God, moving in the fruit and the gifts. But we're still back here. You cannot blame me if you're back here. Amen. I've been doing everything behind you and push you and catapult you with those entanglements. <laughs> but, but how many know everybody who's been here? has been getting ahead in this race. Amen? You're not who you were. That's how you know I'm not who I used to be and I, I know it's because of what God's doing. Amen? There's no condemnation. So right now the devil's saying, see, you haven't been running. He shouldn't be talking to you. Right? He shouldn't be talking to you. So to get out of this race full of fear and condemnation, you need to very quickly tell him to shut up in Jesus' name. And Lord, whatever demon just tried to talk to me, I give it the punishment of Satan. And I heard um, Lance Juan all teach on punishing their disobedience today. So it was kind of cool. All right, do you get that? Every time. Don't let the whole conversation go over in your whole brain and your head and then talk about it, worry about it, have a dream about it, think about it, call somebody about it. All of that is putting you in the wrong race where you just feel more and more condemned and more and more confused and more and more not believing God. Amen? We're going to exit that race. But you've got, oh, I can't do it yet. Oh, you can't do it? Okay, stay over there in your race and when you're ready to come over to the real race, talk to me. Amen? Some of you got to change the way you say everything. You, everything pops right out of your flesh. Sometimes it's even demonic. And not everybody here, but you know what I'm saying. I'm talking to a lot of, this will go to about anywhere from six to 10,000 people, okay? So, and I don't even know them. Some of them I do. Okay, Holy Spirit knows who's going to watch it. So it's not always about the people here. Most of the people here have really made some breakthrough. Amen? Thank God. Amen? All right, so. But how many say you were in that race way too long? Amen. All right. So get this. Entanglements. Entanglements and weights. Was it sin? Entanglements and weights. Will keep you from running the race. Um, where Jesus is the author and finisher. It'll keep you way back. Never getting ahead. Okay. So your groups. Your worksheets on that. You've been talking about that. So remember. Uh, when you go over that in your notebooks, you can do all this and do, this is something you can go to those notebooks. And, and I have so many notebooks from the past. You guys wouldn't believe how many notebooks I have. Not that I did it this organized, kind of be a little fun to have thought of this that back then, but I was teaching it, learning it and God's doing his thing. But so you have to think, and there could be more, but we've talked about this. Weights are things that slow you down. Okay. So if you're, you know, worry or, or um, your job or your excuse for not going to conferences or church or whatever, those are weights, all right? Those are weights. God's not ordering your steps. Those weights order your steps or they hold you back, all right? You're wrong thinking. You're this and that. That's weight. Something that's heavy on you, okay? Sickness, whatever. Those are weights. He says to put these off. Then there's... Um, 
entanglements, which is relationships that keep you from going advancing and you won't forgive, you won't let go, you keep being controlled or controlled, and then sin. So get rid of sin, all right? Sin will keep you from running this race. All right, that's in the race. Over here in the false race, though, everything in the false race is a counterfeit of the real, okay? So instead of faith, there's fear. Remember, everything you do based on works, which is, was it the book of James? Where does it say, I'll show you my faith by my works? James, okay, in the book of James. What, what's he saying there? When I run the real race and I'm looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, let me, let me make this simple. If you're running the true race, your eyes are on Jesus. Anytime your eyes are not on Jesus, if your eyes are on you or your eyes are on somebody else or your eyes are on your past, okay, how many know if it'd be kind of hard to run a race looking back at what the devil's done? Amen. He, he says to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Make sure, how many know a lot of times during our worship here, isn't it cool how we see Jesus? It, it's like all the focus, even he corrected us when we were talking about stuff that's going on now. And, and what's that thing we're doing? Um, pushing back. We're pushing back the darkness that has really tried to take over our nation. But when we were doing this, push it back, push it back. We said, no, 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 no. Push it this way and look at me. In other words, get it behind you, not in front of you. Keep it behind you. Amen. Why? In this race, everything's behind me because my eyes are on him. Amen. So when this stuff gets in front of me and it's my focus, when my past is my focus, when my hurt areas is my focus, even when sin is my focus, whenever all these things are my focus, what people have said wrong, all these things, it causes me to be running in condemnation and fear and trying to prove something. Or at the minimum, it's a weight holding me back, right? So we don't want to run in fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Who has then? The devil. So, so in your worksheet time, I, some of you really need a, probably most of you need a sheet that says, what am I afraid of? And you'll be surprised. And I've told you guys this before. I don't know if you ever get your notebooks like I told you. But remember years ago I told you, break it down as far as it can go. Now in your groups, there won't be time to do this. So your groups will get you started. But you need to take this home. So when I say break it down. Um, let me try to use something. See, usually you think you're afraid of something that you dealt with. But it actually goes deeper. Um. It could go so deep that let's say, okay, I'll use, I'll use, I'll use another person's example because it's a really good example of this. So there was a person that, that we know and love who was fighting a melanoma tumor. The tumor was about this big by the time they decided to get something done about it. And they, they were praying in between. They were believing. But it finally was like, you know, you need to go to the doctor. So they went in and they found out that this big melanoma tumor, um, and this person never, ever went in the sun. This was not a suntan situation. <laughs> this was actually a burn I think they got from a hot heart or something when they were young or something. And um, when they went in, they removed the tumor and it was melanoma. I mean, bad stages, okay? So... The cool thing was this person had been working out their salvation with fear and trembling and they had been dealing with childhood fear issues from some abusive situations. 
not from the parents, but from babysitters. <clears throat> and so they had been unlayering fear through, through something painful they were going through uh, in their marriage. So th here they thought, where's God? Why isn't he helping me? Why isn't he saving this marriage and all that? At the same time, here Holy Spirit is knowing she's fighting for her life. She didn't even know it. This person's fighting to live and not die. They don't even know it. They think they're fighting for a really bad marriage. And it was biblical reasons to end this marriage. Doesn't mean you have to, but it means God's not necessarily going to restore marriage because he knows the heart of the people involved. And this was a, some unbiblical things of unfaithfulness. So, so here the person is going through this trial for a couple of years, dealing with their heart issues, dealing with their fear about marriages. I mean, all these things they went through, like afraid they'd, you know, never have a good family life, afraid of, and God just unlayering all this fear. How cool is God? And yet the marriage isn't changing. And at times they're like, and the person moved out and moved in with, with a girlfriend, you know, so the marriage is basically over except for the papers and all aren't signed. Do you see what I'm saying? Now they're still like going, God, where are you? Why isn't this working? What's happening? The whole time, Holy Spirit is dealing with fear issues that came from a divorce in her family, her parents, and dealing with all these things, all of it being part of breaking the power of the fear of dying. How cool is God? I'm thinking, well, that was a lot easier to go through than to think you're dying. And you, got, you know what I mean? So by the time they got to the point to diagnose this almost really severe case with not really high probable outcome of being good, um, this person had learned, had dealt with a lot of fear issues. So they called me in the middle of the night. I'll never forget because I was out on my outside porch because I didn't want to wake up everybody in the house. Kids were young and John was home and, and, um, and all of a sudden this person's a seer. So they actually saw a demon of, um, death standing in front of them. I'm just being honest. This person sees in the spirit and it was with their own eyes. They saw this, you know, it's kind of weird. They saw that same spirit in my yard one time when a bunch of us ladies were just in the hot tub having fun, just praying and stuff. And this person went to almost a freeze when the spirit showed up. And um, we're looking at him like, oh my gosh, what's happening? So we all started praying in tongues and we broke the power of it. It's kind of funny that I was on that same deck when I got the deliverance message from God, how to break the power of this thing. How cool is God? And so if you're interested in seeing in the spirit and all, that's what we do on Friday nights now. Amen. We're training and equipping to move into these, these different kind of callings and giftings. Anyway, but while we're praying this, we didn't just pray, oh God, please heal her. Oh God, you know, um, let the doctor get it all. Oh God, all those things, okay? We need to start running the race and hearing what God says to pray. How do you want to solve this, God? I'm telling you, God has a way of escape for everybody. He has a way of escape for everything, but we don't hear him. We're not walking with him. We're not letting him show us that way of escape. We're trying to do somebody else's book or somebody else's formula or somebody else's this and that. We need to hear God. Amen. We need to obey God and you need to deal with what he wants you to deal with for real. Amen. So, so she's running this race and, um, and here's the cool thing. She didn't get 
she didn't get over in condemnation like I should have gone to the doctor sooner everybody told me to go sooner this would have been treatable if it was sooner how many of the sooner was not a, not in the uh, um, not something that was possible at that point amen amen let me tell you this if she had gone sooner praise God they probably would have got it off and she had gone through some surgery and some chemo and whatever they would do but she wouldn't have dealt with the, the actual spirit of death that was trying to kill her so it would have showed up a different way I'm not saying she could have time to grow and mature and get to this stuff amen so I, I want y'all to see how real the spirit realm is how real all this works because we are really overall the church is pretty naive about everything can I get an amen Okay, and how many know God doesn't expect us to run this race in our natural self? So when your mind's going, oh my gosh, how do we do this? You can't. When you think you can do it, you're running the wrong race. And you really don't get anywhere unless, unless life stays pretty easy and then you're still not getting very far. How many know we need Holy Spirit? We need God to order our steps. We want him to order our steps. We want to grow mature. We got to quit trying to be on both tracks. He's in charge. Quit. If he tells you to, to, to get free from entanglement and the first thing you think is, well, how are they going to live if I don't help them? What are they going to do if I don't bail them out? What are they going to do if this and that and the other? Well, guess what? You're in the flesh. You're in an entanglement. And you can try all you want to be spiritual. You're not going to go very far in that race. And let me just say this. God does not change his mind about he wants, what he wants you to deal with. Can I get an amen? He doesn't change his mind. We want to say, okay, okay, well, I don't want to deal with that. Let's do this. And I want to say this. That's why so many people are running to all this stuff that's hyper-spiritual. And I'm cool for mature people to walk in the supernatural things of God. I'm a little bit not thrilled when I go in and I feel more witchcraft in meetings and I feel Holy Ghost. I'm not excited when people don't even know the gospel and yet they think they're moving in these powerful things of God. Amen. The Bible is very clear that there'll be a great delusion in the last days and we're in the last days to deceive people. So I want, I want the race where my eyes are on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of my faith. What do you want to do for your glory? How do you want to do it for your glory? There's no kind of, it's actually the most exciting adventure Ever. And we get to be on it forever. Amen. Well, your brain is having a hard time right now. Because I can tell some of your brains are having a hard time right now. You are over in the wrong race. Might be a big part of a lot of people's problems. I used to think maybe you weren't saved for some people. It's like they could never seem to get this. No, I realize they're just running. They're not just, they're just not, they've got so many weights, entanglements, and sin that they're actually living under condemnation and fear, which keeps them from running this race. And when they hear the enemy condemning them and telling them and putting fear in them, then they're, listen, they're, they're not looking to the author and finisher of their faith. They're looking to the horrible one who has hurt their past. Amen. Well, like I said, it's a little bold for most people. But God, how many, how many would like to just freely run the real race? Amen. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just how cool. Look at all the scripture and all the things you know and how easily he can, you can put sin off and this and that. And see, if, I, if I'm still living under condemnation and blame, I'm not getting rid of sin. 
I'm just over here running the wrong race, thinking of feeling condemned. I tried so hard. Look at the works I did. You know, I stayed out of sin for three days. <laughs> Amen. When you're looking to him, you just sin just go. It goes away if you run the real race. Amen. All right. So there's a lot of teaching, a lot of teaching about fear. Knowing that God has given us the power of his Holy Spirit, his great love. And this is going to keep our minds sound. We have the mind of Christ. We will not lose our sound mind. Amen. Okay. The other thing, Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's a big one. Amen. How many know how cutesy we use all these words and we don't go deep to say, wait a minute, this is a really big, this is a really big spiritual law. This is a really, 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 really big spiritual law. This is basically saying that if I walk according to my flesh, I'm going to live under condemnation. Okay, does anybody know what condemnation is? Condemnation is a false judge. It's the devil telling you how bad you are. He twists the word. He puts you in legalism. He tries to make you work harder. He tries to make you think you're not pleasing God. He's constantly, constantly, constantly making you feel like you're not going to be able to, to please God. Amen. And he, and he twists scriptures. And no matter how hard you run, you always feel like a failure. If somebody's going to bring correction, you want to go hide. Like, oh no, I did something bad again. You know, you, 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 the enemy's made you so you, you really don't like correction. Like you can't handle it instead of embracing it. Amen. He's trying to make you rebellious. He wants to keep you independent. He wants to make you so you'll never move in all God has for you. He wants to keep your ground bad. Amen. We'll get into the whole garden thing coming up. He wants to keep you a stony heart or full of thorns or on that where the, the devil takes the seeds of God before they even get to go in and try to plant. Amen. And so one day we'll, we'll do a teaching on how to get that garden ready. Amen. And deal with this stuff. All right. <clears throat> then she has down here, she's written some things. Indicators that you might be in the false race. Fear, condemnation. Feeling superior or inferior. Feeling like you can never please God. Feeling like God is always mad at you. Thinking you can never do anything right. Trying to stay in control. False judge. He's, he's, you, you, you feel like there's a false judge and false creator trying to create you in the wrong image. Bitterness, torment, comparing your race to others. Okay, we're not going to go over this. This isn't a teaching like that. These are, you can go on the mentorship. There are teaching on every one of these topics. Probably at least an hour to two to three hours on every single topic that we've been putting together for over 20 some years. Amen. I'm just showing you how to sit down with God and in your groups and start dealing with some of these things. Okay, inner indicators that you're running in the true race. You're falling more in love with Jesus, feeling unconditional love by Father God, knowing nothing can separate you from God's love. You feel the Holy Spirit conviction, not condemnation. Conviction says, come on, we can change this. Come on, get up, let's try this again. It's okay, I love you no matter what. Come on, you can do all things through me. The Lord said, you know, you can do all things through me who strengthened you. We can do this, okay? That's conviction. Conviction doesn't act like that was okay what you did. Conviction says, hey, I'll never give up on you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Come on, get up, let's run. Amen? 
And, and people who've been wounded and so much in the wrong race, they can't handle conviction. They, some people have walls where they don't even feel it. Okay? So I want everybody to hear, you've got to understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. So I want you to take a second, and we're not doing groups tonight, but if we were, and when we get together next week, or you can write this in your notebooks now, think of a time where you know it was conviction. Does anybody got an example? Does everybody have an example of when they were convicted? It could be during a preaching. If you're in this church, you probably, hopefully, get convicted a lot. Amen? Right. So, so you got one. Did you want to share it? Yeah. Okay. Um, get a microphone. Where's the microphone? Are they up here? And make sure when you're sharing, just so you know, this is going to go out to up to 10, 60, you know, who knows how many thousands of people. So, and your boss or somebody or your mom or dad might be watching. You never know. So just share it, but be discreet and don't use names and too much identification unless you want to. Okay. He's going to share that minute. Let me go. So conviction. I want everybody to think of a time of conviction. Write in your notebook. Conviction. Conviction brings godly sorrow. Okay. Godly sorrow is like, oh, godly sorrow is humbling. Godly sorrow is like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how could you still use me? How could you use me when you just got that little tyrant thing out of me, Lord? And here I've been ministering for years and you're showing me this little thing now and it used to be big. Lord, how could you? You're so amazing. Thank you. And then there's a thank you. Thank you for faithfulness. Oh, thank you for mercy. Oh, God, help me be more merciful. Okay, that's conviction. Okay, let me tell you this about conviction, especially if we use the condemnation trying to make things happen. When con true conviction comes and true repentance comes, God delivers you. And you don't have to worry about it coming back. Now, it's got to be him. It's got to be a full, you know, a full, it can't be I'm afraid. So you'll never get convicted because of fear. You'll get convicted because you're looking at the author and the finisher of your faith. And he's like, let's deal with this now. Okay. So it doesn't, and there could be residue from that thing that might show back up and he'll take you there. Amen. All right. But conviction always leads to godly sorrow, which is like this closeness to God and this feeling like, oh my gosh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, you are so good. You're so faithful. How could you be so faithful? I was, I messed that up so bad. I was so wrong and I did that. Look how you're healing. Look how you're restoring. Okay, that's conviction. Everybody get that? You need to start seeing some of these things so when the other is going on, you can go, oh, that's not God. That's the wrong race. Condemnation is, you're so stupid. It doesn't matter how much you've been going to that church for this many years and you're still sitting there at the beginning of the race. You haven't dealt with your sin issues. You're still in entanglements. I don't even know why you stay around here. You're all going, dang, when did you hear the devil tell me that? Okay, that's condemnation. It's like, just leave. There's no hope for you. What's it trying? It's trying to order your steps away from what God is doing in your life. Amen? condemnation is it tries to make you feel like why try okay and it could have gotten there because you had really control you could have had controlling parents you could have had people you looked up to we're not blaming but when you do the worksheets you separate the person from the spirit you forgive the people just like you want to be forgiven you know God's merciful amen all right go ahead and tell yours okay come up here so the camera can see you because people don't want don't want to look at just me 
Okay, and I encourage other churches that are doing this, let the people share. Let people get up and share their testimonies and get everybody really involved so you're really seeing this instead of just hearing a lot of teaching. Amen? Well, just as you were sharing that, the, the Holy Spirit um, brought me back to um, when I was in the military and I didn't know some of these things and I was um, at a military function in there. At the time, you know, I was going to a very religious church, but thank God for telling me that. But I was around a bunch of military guys, and I was drinking alcohol. And, uh, and that conviction that he just showed me that, I said that you know, saying, okay, I, I, should, I shouldn't be, um, I guess I, I got convicted. And then it, it was an instant change because... Um, quit drinking I just quit drinking that that next day I, I went into a supermarket and I just walked past it like it was nothing amen I, I knew that I knew yeah. that was God did that because I, I, I didn't do like a formula or anything it just happened it just happened right. amen amen so that's what you need to think of you know when when David was fighting battles thank you sir when David was fighting battles he would always think back on his testimonies you overcome especially in these end times, and by the blood of the lamb, the work of the cross, what Jesus has already paid for, and your part is the word of your testimony. There's life and death in your words, people. So know this, if you're trying to run the race of faith and you're speaking death over your situation, death over your relationship, quit talking about a divorce. So, I mean, how are you gonna, God can't heal a marriage that you keep bringing up divorce. You got to see it from God's perspective. If, if they've been unfaithful and you know it, then do the divorce already. You know what I'm saying? If, if it's a dangerous situation, don't spend your whole life running over here in, in, in fear and condemnation and just get with God and find out, do you want me to overcome this? And I'm going to tell you, just no. Don't, you can always imagine things to say, I can divorce this person. Let me tell you, God's grace is sufficient, people. Amen? God's grace is sufficient. You just got to get free from entanglements. You can live the greatest life of all if there can be peace in that home. But if you're going to live a life focusing on what the devil wants to do, then you're not running a race, just so you know. Do, try At least try to do things God's way. Amen. With God's the God of reconciliation. He's not the God of, he hates divorce. Okay. He hates it. We need to hate it. We need to hate it. We need to hate ever, ever helping somebody go the direction of divorce. Now, let me tell you, and then get healed if you've been divorced. I remember somebody who would always say whenever they were going through something, and they had some authority in my life, but they would look at me and say, wait, and they said this, wait till you get your divorce. And I said, I'm not getting a divorce in Jesus' name. Well, that's what I thought. When I, I don't care what you thought when you were my age. I'm not getting a divorce. You said that. I did. Well, didn't you have compassion? Say, oh, yes. Look, at, I'm, I'm not having compassion for the devil winning. Okay? If a spouse is unfaithful. You can get the marriage teaching. It's in the mentorship. It'll tell you very clearly. Divorce is only biblical. If your spouse has had a sexual relationship with someone else or is unfaithful. Not suspicion and paranoia. If you really think so, ask them point blank and find out. 
Now, God does say if they've lust in their heart and they're watching pornography and all that, biblically, God says it's the same as if they've done it because it's going to lead to it. Okay, so I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just saying, what is God saying? How do I overcome? How about let's overcome some things instead of try to run away? Now, if they're abusive, first of all, let me promise you, you can get strong enough in God to bind it and they can't touch you. They can't even cuss at you. But God says, now he says this to unbelieving people. He said, how do you, first, God actually thinks we're going to do things his way. How, how crazy. And the sad thing is most America doesn't do things his way. Because he says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So God's, God's taking it that you're going to listen to him. You're going to marry somebody with Holy Spirit in them. God knows if they got Holy Spirit in them and you got Holy Spirit in you, we can work anything out. And there's a whole reason why he doesn't, um, why he allows divorce for unfaithfulness. And it has more to do with how it represents Christ and the bride than it has to do with your natural situation. But you can get that on the marriage teaching. Peace in the home. He's actually talking to people who get saved after they're married. And they marry someone who doesn't want Jesus. And God says, well, stay with them as long as there can be peace in the home. Now, the lack of peace should not come from you. <laughs> and they say, well, there's no peace in our home. I'm screaming and yelling at them all the time. That's not what he means. Amen? He means he can get you above this. He can make you an overcomer. We've got to quit throwing in the towel and letting the devil win and justifying it. Mm. Amen? And, and there are times, there have been at least a few divorces. There was one situation where the husband was so abusive, God gave me a vision and I saw this person who was in a very bad entanglement situation in a coffin in a church with that person laughing. And the Lord said, if you don't get in there and break the power of this demonic relationship, this is what you're going to see and you'll be doing the funeral. I've helped Every way I could to get that person away from that very, very dangerous person. And they are very thankful today. And their kids have grown up to be awesome. That would have been having to watch their mom get beat up. And then them get angry. Amen? So there's no legalism in this. Does everybody get that? I remember talking to one person who was so, so miserable. So, so miserable in their marriage. And then they... They're in the wrong race. So it's like, I've got to stay here. It's almost like a punishment. You picked the person. God didn't pick them. But now you're going to go through life all miserable with this person that you can't stand. You actually almost hate them because you're a Christian. Just get on out. Repent. Because you're not even in the race. You know, you can't tell people you've got to stay in that marriage because then you're putting them in bondage. You've got to preach God's word, tell them how big God is, and then they're going to pay the consequences of if they don't want to do this God's way. Amen? But there is forgiveness and there is healing. Amen? And God will take care of it. And, and sometimes God will open a door really wide and show you, yes, you have a biblical way out. You know it's bad when somebody celebrates because they found out their husband was unfaithful. Now they can divorce them. But let me say, something's wrong with the heart that wants that way out. It doesn't mean God won't give them that way out. Thank God. But it does mean, let me go deal with this heart issue behind this. 
What happened? So when we're doing the worksheets, you're going to have to go back to some old relationships. The reason God doesn't want people to remarry in his scripture is because he wants them healed first or they're going to find themselves repeating the same bunch of mess and opening doors for people in their family, including their children, to be hurt. Amen? Now, when you're healed, really healed, and, and you really recognize your part, let me say this. As long as you can only see what somebody else has done, you haven't changed at all. There's nothing to keep you from the enemy setting up a relationship again. Amen? God doesn't want you to tell them how bad that person is. You know God knows every single thing they're doing more than you do. And, you, and he's, not, he's not imagining things or making it worse than it is or making it better than it is. He knows everything. Guess what he knows? His grace is powerful. His supernatural ability to empower you. God wants you so free in whatever situation you're in that, that it doesn't affect your race with him. Amen? And, and he's the one who has to do that. And so when, you're, when it's all this other blaming and not dealing with you and all this, you're in the wrong race. Amen? You're in the wrong race and you need to let God go and heal some things. You need those things healed in the name of Jesus. You need those things healed and you need to get rid of everything in the way from dealing with it. Everything that jumps up to stop you from dealing with these things. God, God wants us happy, you guys. God wants us, he wants us to have great relationships. He wants, he would, I think God will restore. I'm not one of those people who say, once you get a divorce, you can't get married again. I believe if you really get healed, if you really see the issues, if you really repent, if you really see how you hurt that person also, if you really find out why did you get into such a relationship, what was your part in it? If you really see all that, and how many know in the wrong race and in a lot of marriage counseling, nobody makes you look at that? How many know at this church you'll look at that? Amen? Because that's where you're going to get free. That's where you're going to be able to forgive. That's where you're going to get rid of bitterness. Amen? That's where you're going to get rid of all these devils you took on to handle life without anybody else in your life. Amen? That's where you're going to handle that. That's where you're going to see what God is doing. That's where you're going to see how God is doing that. I really feel the presence of the Lord because we need to quit everything that stops people from receiving what they need from God. We need to let God deal with our hearts and really, really make us see we've got to get free from these things that we've used instead of letting God set us free and set other people free in our lives. Do you know we're going to stand before God for every single thing we've ever counseled, everything we've ever minister to somebody, everything we've ever, every word, every idle word we've ever spoken. Dang, that's probably going to be a long time for me. I'm going to plead some blood. I said, well, you mainly just talk about God. I, it's, I don't want to have to stand before God for idle words. I got plenty of good words right from his word. Amen. And it's like, Lord, help me deal with me. Help me get free. Help me be free. Lord, let me humble myself before you and get free from entanglements. Help me bring down every wall, every hurt place. People, God, he's, doesn't, he's not punishing us. He wants to hug us. He wants to love us. He wants us to be free. It's for freedom that he sets us free. If you know how awesome God sees you, if you know how much he loves you, if you know how much he wants you to feel his presence, if you know how much he wants to put his arms around you and heal all those hurt places, you would be amazed. How many know there are so many people outside these doors who need to know how much God loves them 
Not in a fake kind of love. In a love that says, I know about that. I know about that. I died for it. Now will you really give it to me and quit holding on to it? Let it go. Look at me, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let's, let's run this thing. Amen. How will you know if you're running the true race? Holy Spirit conviction. You're finally being led by the Holy Spirit. You're able to receive godly discipline. You're going from glory to glory. Your walk with God is getting more supernatural and more supernatural and more supernatural. You're understanding his precept. Let me tell you what. And there's no shortcuts, okay? Our God is a God who is line upon line, precept upon precept, from glory to glory. And people are just going after glory to glory and glory to after glory meetings. And they're not about the word of God, the line upon line. The precept is the heart of God. Why is God saying that? What does God mean about that? Let me tell you what, until you really want precept, you won't get revelation. Revelation is God's precept. He's like, this is why I did this. He gave me such cool stuff in the book of Revelations this morning about where we are and stuff like that. I don't know where I'm going to get to preach it. But he, he was just showing me, and I know I've probably heard this somewhere before, but I didn't ever pay attention but he, he was just showing me about that woman in, I think, Revelations 11 and 12, something like that, who has the baby. And remember, the enemy tries to destroy the baby and the baby's taken to heaven and that, that he's going to be the one to rule and reign, which is Christ, right? But, but we know that happened 2,000 years ago and this is in end times, right? And you're like, wait a minute, Lord, that was 2,000 years ago and now this is end times. And right after that, it talks about how he protected that woman with the eagle. Let me tell you what. The USA is the eagle and the USA is going to raise up to protect Israel and no devil's going to stop the book of Revelation from happening. Amen. But the church had better take her shaking and start knowing how to pray. But I'm looking at that, I'm like, okay, Lord, I don't get how this is an end time teaching. And yet we know Jesus went 2000 years ago. And you know what he showed me? So cool. He goes, this is at the church. This is, the, this is right after the bride of Christ, I believe, is taken. I don't believe all the church is taken. I know a lot of people do, but right there in the next scriptures, it talks about how Satan goes after the woman's offsprings because of their testimony for Yeshua or Jesus, which means they're believers. They're born again believers with a testimony. But if you still look at the rest of it, the ones who overcome right before that, they overcome by the blood, you know, and, and um, their testimony. They've overcome. They're in heaven right then cheering and praising that now God's kingdom is coming. You know, we'll, we'll teach it maybe Sunday, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. We'll see. But you see what I'm saying? But here's why. The church age ends and to God, it's just like Jesus Jesus just came to heaven and now what happens now for the Jews? Which shows the church is out of here because the church age ends for that. Isn't that cool? You guys, I'm not a kind of person to get that kind of, I am a kind of person to get that kind of revelation, but I never thought I'd get that kind of revelation on the book of Revelation. Amen? But it's like, oh, and it's like, gosh, Lord, that makes, oh, that's cool. That makes sense. Because then it all goes together. So God's saying, that season of the Gentiles, that season, how cool is God to give a, how many, um, it was 4,000 years and two. God gave 2,000 years of the Gentiles coming in, the nations coming in to end that, which is what we're getting close to, which is why the churches are being shaken. He's about to bring forth his bride. He's about to have his big showdown. How? To those who know him and a great falling away of those who don't. And 
and he's about to prepare people. But there will be a people on this earth who know Jesus, who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have to know not to take the mark of the beast. But it's not going to be me. <laughs> I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to let him do this work in me. I wouldn't take it even if I was here. I don't care about that. I'll, I'm going to be where he is, whatever he wants to do. But there's people cheering from heaven during all of this. Well, he says he's going to barf the lukewarm out of his mouth. I think that'd be a pretty good throwing up that you missed it. And now, and, and the Christians that are left here then are powerless. That sounds like a pretty big being shaken because I was lukewarm, doesn't it? It's in the Bible, people. Anyway, I don't know how I got there, but anyway, all right. <laughs> That's what I was really studying today. All right, so we go from glory to glory. So we want real line upon line. We want to know. That's why God said, get in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and know it. Know it. Know him. Know it. Know him. Know it. Know him. See him. He's the author and the finisher. Amen? You could do some basic Bible quizzes to a lot of young people who are acting all lovey-dovey with God. And they wouldn't even be able to tell you some of the basics. And they're falling away. There would be no woke church. There would only be a church that's awakened if we knew God's word. So he's a line upon line, precept, heart of God, understanding of God, revelation from God, glory, his supernatural presence, his supernatural presence, his supernatural showing up in your everyday life. Amen? All right. All right. Feeling empowered by the Holy Spirit. These show you're in the right race. Having a sound mind and have self-controlled, being content in all things. Nicole put most of this together herself. Go, Nicole. She goes, because I'm exiting the false race. Exit the false race and let the truth set you free. Look to Jesus. Ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you lies you've been believed. Replace those lies with the truth of God's word. Forgive those you need to forgive. Build up your faith. And then there's a running, the race worksheet you can look at. Um, and then she gives the names of some teachings that would help you that's on the mentorship. This is just barely a guide. Amen. So for the next 15 minutes, we're going to look at how a group should run, okay? I can't, the reason I can't, do you know how many, you know how many years I could teach on most of these topics? That's why we have the mentorship that God supernaturally had Nicole come up with and put together with all the teaching, amen? This helps you see where you're at and where you need to go and what you need to go and re-listen to or listen to for the first time, amen? It's like, it's like, um, it's awesome actually, and it doesn't cost you really anything, except some time. And we'd like $20 a month to help pay for all this if you want. But if you absolutely don't have it, and, and you don't have the faith to believe for it yet, we'll help you have it free until you get the faith to believe for it. And then hopefully you'll want to get, they might say, dang, I can't wait to give to, to this kind of ministry going to the nations for free. Amen? All right. So, so let's say I was starting a group. Now, here's the cool thing about the groups, and I'm doing this for those who are going to have groups in their homes, for churches that are going to start this, and for, for if you want to have friends ever to do this. Like, how do you do this? There is no formula to this. Can I hear an amen? amen? So this is made in such a way where Holy Spirit can have your group do one thing and another group do the other thing, but you want to um, pretty much... See what of the different workshops. Also, all the different worksheets are not in any specific order. So you can pull out one or see, pray, Holy Spirit, which one? But what we do on Tuesday nights is try to stay with whatever's taught that night. 
But I, I guarantee you, if I went and listened to the groups, that probably doesn't happen all the time. That's fine. Amen. The key in the group is keep the people in the right race. Okay, now when we're talking about the garden and all that coming up, we're going to share more about how to make sure they're pulling out the lies and pulling out the tears and only sowing what's good and how to do the ground and all that. That's up and coming, okay? We've been doing the race first. God, why is he doing the race first? He wants to get you out of condemnation. He wants to get you out of fear. God's like, most of the, I won't say you guys, a lot of people aren't running the right race. So in this race, God's going to build my faith. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. I'm going to say this again and I mean this. When I read the word of God, my soul is renewed. Don't think that that's faith. Okay, but that's okay. You're supposed to do it, right? Because first of all, you're putting scriptures in to your soul. So that when Holy Spirit wants to bring one out as a weapon of warfare, as we saw earlier when we prayed, when Holy Spirit wants to bring one out in a situation he's leading you, guess what? You sowed it in so he can bring it out and it can produce things, okay? You cannot get away from that part. If you're just trying to live in revelation and somebody else's book and teaching, you are, you're not in the right race, amen? You, if you don't love God's word, when he is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, you're, you're just not in the right race. You're just in something about you. This is not about you. That's why he says, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Jesus says, look at me. I'm the author Fisher. Hey, look at me. So no matter what you're walking through, God, I'm going to look at you. God, I'm going to look at you. Help me look at you. God, let me see you. So, so one thing in this race, you better see him correctly. So when I'm reading the word, I ask Holy Spirit, teach me about Jesus. Let me see him correctly. If, if you live under condemnation, let's say you had somebody, if they found you doing something wrong, they grabbed you and told you how stupid you were and how you were going to, something bad was going to happen to you, right? And then you think, oh, that's what God's going to do. Well, here's this woman caught in the act of adultery. Like she was in blatant sin, all right? She wasn't innocent. Everybody acts like she's all innocent. She wasn't innocent. This woman was sleeping with somebody else's husband and not her own. In a very, very strict culture, which killed women for doing that. I mean, you, you weren't even allowed to show any body parts back then in that culture. And yet she got caught. And so many scholars want to focus on, ooh, those mean people who caught her. Well, this woman was sinning. I'm not saying I agree with the way they handled that kind of sin. I'm not saying their motives were right. I believe Jesus knew their motives wasn't right without question. But sometimes we overlook that this woman was in blatant, blatant sin. And she knew she was in sin because she knew they could stone her for it. Amen? And every, anyway, I won't get into other, I'm not defending this woman. She doesn't, she doesn't deserve our defense. But she got God's mercy. Okay, she got God's mercy. When I begin to defend sin, then I'm probably hiding my own. 
or I've been hurt by somebody. Amen. God's okay with his word saying, this woman was caught. He made it clear. He didn't say they tricked her. They made her look bad. He said, she was caught in the very act of adultery. Dragged out there. He didn't say, y'all shouldn't have done that to her. He didn't say that. You know what he rebuked them for? Judging her. They rebu he rebuked them because they had no right to judge her because of their sin. And he's writing their sin in. What's he saying? You caught her. I know what you did. Now, they don't know for sure that's what he wrote in the sand. But it had to be something pretty powerful to make people drop their rocks and walk away. Right? Something he wrote about them. Made them drop their weapons to punish her and walk away. And what it, all he said was, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. He's like, okay, that's what the law says. You're right. I'm not going to change the law. I'm here to fulfill it. So if you don't have any, guess, guess what? He could have thrown the rock. He could have thrown the rock. He was the only one who could really throw that rock. What did he show us about him? He is full of mercy. He did not give her what she deserved based on their laws. So we need that kind of mercy. He's not asking us to always give people what they deserve. He's asking us to get the heart of God. He knew she really repented. He knew she was being set up. And he had mercy on her. Amen. He had mercy on her. So when you got this wrong idea of God. And you really did do something wrong. But you knew you were going to get the tar beat out of you and you were going to be punished to the extremes or you were going to be abused or blamed for something. You don't see God right. Amen? You don't see God right. So part of running this race is to see him right. You really need to take time and ask Holy Spirit, show me Jesus. What does Jesus say? When you see him, you see the Father. So if Jesus is merciful, the Father is merciful. If Jesus is kind, the Father is kind. If Jesus cannot tolerate hypocrisy, the Father doesn't tolerate hypocrisy. Amen? So some of you need to do a word study or something this summer. Just go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see Jesus. And in your notebook, write what you see. He only, only, he, he, he corrected and rebuked a lot of people. Amen? Even Peter. But the only ones that he really, really uh, basically said were going to hell were the religious people who heard truth and wouldn't receive it and were taking others to hell with them. And he knows who's who. He knows who in the Democratic Party and who in the Republican Party are trying to destroy this nation. And they're feeling no conviction. They know what they're doing. And they're trying to destroy the gospel from going forth from this nation. He knows. We don't. We don't know who's really blind. I mean, I got to tell you. This will be funny. When I was sitting in that traffic for one straight hour while a certain person and their wife was visiting our Hampton Roads area the other day. Hate was trying to get in my heart towards this person. Now, it's been playing on the edge anyway because of watching 
all the horrific things being done to destroy our nation. And I literally, literally sat in the car for part of that time and began to pray in tongues and say, God, you have to help me love this person. You have to help me love this person. This person's made in your image and your likeness and you want them delivered and rescued. God, don't let evil in me. Don't let evil in me. Some of you need to quit watching the news because too much evil is getting in you. Some of you need to stop and say, okay, what if that was my child and they've been used like this and what would I want God to do? Would I want mercy or would I want judgment? See, God can do judgment without your, without your permission, amen? But you're not, you can't. You can't. Vengeance belongs to him, not you. If he wants to harden Pharaoh's heart, to shake everything that needs to be shaken out of what has become a filthy nation, then he's going to shake it. Quit defending what God is doing. I mean, quit trying to be upset with what God is doing. Are you saying God's doing this? I'm saying God easily could stop this and he didn't because he's shaking everything that can be shaken and he is awakening, a rude awakening to his church because we do need to repent. We need to repent. I still have heard very few people really repent. Amen. So I, I preached again. I was going to not do that. I was going to show you how to do this worksheet. Okay, I have five minutes to show you how to do the worksheet. So if I'm doing a group, let's say you're my group. Hello, group. So I would say, I would look at something like this. Say, okay, how many here in your group, how many here, how many here would say, and just be honest, who cares? I mean, what good is it? How many know around here? Nobody's going to judge you unless they want to be in trouble with God. Amen. <laughs> judge not least you be judged in the same measure. Has everybody learned that one yet? I mean, I'm like, God, get this out of my heart. Don't judge me. Amen. So for those who are new watching this, listen to that teaching from, I think it's from um, something, some chapter six, um, Matthew six, I believe, about judging and all that stuff. Because we don't judge around here. Amen. Or you, let them judge. They're going to be in worse shape than you. So oh, you want to judge this? Judge this. Anyhow, you know. <laughs> All right. So how many would say, after hearing this in last week's, that a majority of your race has been in condemnation and fear? Raise your hands. Okay. Does that help you see why... Uh, there's a lot of hope for you. So all that word is real, right? That renewed mind is real. Amen? So it's not wasted time, okay? Won't it be fun to get in the right race and see what God does with all that, to see what grows so quickly in the garden? All right. How many would say that um, there has been some real life changes in conviction and they would say that at least half of their race has been the real race of faith. Raise your hands. Amen. All right. How many would say from this point on, you're believing for the grace to have at least 75 to 80% of your race be faith? Amen. Amen. Yay. Amen. Okay. Now, if you don't have faith for that, can we go for 50%, 30? You know, let's believe for something because you need to set, you need to set some, some goals here. All right. So, so with that, let me ask this. Is there any questions about, about what I said tonight 
about how to know what tracer. Has anybody got any question they'd like to ask so, so we can help clear that up? What she's asking, and, and she's coming out of a really, a really heavy-duty trial, okay? She's coming out of a really heavy-duty trial where the enemy came in with fear and, and, um, and stole her sound mind for a short season, okay? All right, so everybody hasn't gone through the same trial, which is why we're each running individual races, okay? So in your race, when the Holy Spirit said for you to know who he is and really study the Gospels, then you just say yes, and you do that. If you have confusion at all about is this God or is it something else, then realize you're probably not ready yet to be walking in that. Amen? Because God hasn't given us spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Okay? So, so your big thing is, okay, God has given me. So I would deal with, where did I have a spirit of fear? A not understanding or real love. A not understanding of real power that the enemy was able to touch my sound mind. So you got those three things to really deal with in detail. Okay? Because the enemy, when he comes out and you get deliverance, he is, by spiritual law, he has to go to a dry place, which means a place where he can't bother you anymore. Okay? But at some point, he, or, he gets to come back. You don't know if it's five weeks away. You don't know if it's 20 years away. You don't know. But at some point, he's allowed to come back, the spiritual law, to see now, remember that scripture says your house is swept and cleaned and you think it's all nice and put together, but he still gets in, right? That house has to be torn down. The devil's got to come and say, where'd it go? Where, I, there's, no, there's no windows to get in anymore. There's no door to get in anymore. That's not even here. I don't even, I don't even see that person because they're hidden in Christ, Okay, so God, God's really about getting you to that place where that enemy can never come back. Now, if I have fear that I got to prove that I'm okay. If I have, or let, let me see this. You could have a real zeal for God because, I mean, wow, he gave you back your life. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like the, um, the you know, yours wasn't this extreme, but the crazy guy in, in you know, um, in that garden who, who cut himself and was demon possessed. When the Lord set him free, all he wanted to do was follow Jesus. And the Lord said, now go and tell everyone what I've done. Now first you got to know Holy Spirit hadn't been sent yet. But I guarantee you somebody got to that group of people and baptized them in the Holy Spirit when the time came. Amen. And so, um, so there should be if somebody's really healed and delivered, there really should be a sincere gratitude. Re this is really good. Okay, remember the leopards and he healed what? Was it three of them he healed? How many did he heal? Seven. Okay, seven he healed, but only one came back, right? And he, and he said only one came back and had gratitude. That one was made whole. So, so we went... God to deal in our hearts to give us gratitude because then not only will I get healed here and there, free here and there, take care of this trial, take care of that trial. All of a sudden, if I have a heart to thank him and I, sincere, not a formula, my whole heart says, God, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That attitude will bring wholeness. What's wholeness? Completely delivered. 
You'll never have to think, they never had to think of leprosy coming again. You'll, so, so right now, you personally in this run, you are looking for wholeness. You're not looking for signs and wonders. You're not looking. See, it's a wicked generation that looks for a sign. That's what the Bible says. Okay, it's a wicked generation that looks for a sign. So until you know that you're not really looking for a sign or looking to fit in or looking to, you, know, you see what I'm saying? So that's where you need to really deal with what were those deep fears? How far do they go? What were the entanglements? And so this is a really good time for us to be starting something like this. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't mean you have to be afraid to participate in anything. Okay, because then that's fear. So you have to deal with it. So you have to get to a place. Okay, Lord, I'm believing I'm going to be sensitive to when it's really you. And I'll be sensitive to when it's something trying to push me to prove something. So show me those things that, that I want to be, that I'm trying to prove. Show me what's going on. Help me, help me get to this. Amen. And he will, people, he will. He wants you, he wants you to succeed more than you want to. He wants you free more than you want to be free. Okay, and so you don't want to get into condemnation. You want to be sensitive to conviction. You want to stop and say, okay, show me anything in me, Lord, that's wicked that would want to look for a sign, if that's in there. Amen? Show me, and when God says wicked, it doesn't mean you're bad and evil. It could actually mean you're hurt. It could be actually mean you want to fit in. There's, so there's all these things. We talked about this. Those who only want the Holy Spirit will only get the Holy Spirit. But some people don't realize they actually want to be spiritual or they actually want to make sure the devil never gets them again. Or they actually, and that's not only wanting the Holy Spirit. To only want the Holy Spirit means I'm completely content if God makes me act, you know, like Ezekiel and, and do signs and wonders and have to reveal things that makes everybody mad. Or if God has me one of the hidden people that nobody ever even knows my name. It doesn't matter. I only want the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit can make you look wild as anything. Or Holy Spirit can make you seem like the calmest person in the world. You may never shake. You may never ever have that kind of sign of wonder. But you don't care in the sense I only want the Holy Spirit. So you can't have an opinion. I never want that to happen to me. And you can't have opinion. Boy, that has to happen to me. Okay. So in this sense, I only want... how. Mm. Because there is some fear of the Lord in this place, praise God. How many know most of us really only want the Holy Spirit? Amen. But how many know a lot of people walk through these doors not even understanding what that meant? So your biggest thing would be to know I'm not afraid that that's going to come back on me. God, God has to show, God's got to heal everything. Amen. Because what the enemy did to you was really severe. And so God wants you to be so free from that. So, so right now, just listen to see what he shows you. Don't, don't do anything in fear, but don't be afraid to do anything he wants you to do because there's no formula for it. Amen. There's no formula for it. All right. Did that help? He, 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 you want this real yay answer. It's just not there. You're just going to have to learn and to yield and let him deal with your heart issues. Amen. So in your groups, as group leaders, this is what you want to do. You want to say, does anybody have any questions about what, we, what was talked about tonight? Okay. Um, you know, kind of find out where people are at. Then when you go home, how, how many know every worksheet could be like two months worth of stuff, right? So, so don't get bogged down. Don't get, in, don't get over in condemnation in the wrong race. Just put these in a notebook. And when you feel led, 
just take some time and, and begin to do some of these things. And this, this is, you, we have this whole natural life to be sanctified, amen? And, and I want you to see, he's the author and finisher of our faith. He, he's the goal. He, he's the prize, okay? He's the prize. So, so every time I'm, I'm getting closer, think of it this way. As I'm running, I'm getting nearer to him, which is going to be powerful, amen? And I'm getting more, more nearer to him. I'm going to be dying to self and getting nearer to him, falling in love with him. And he, it's all about him. That's one thing about this race. The, the more you run this race and the stronger your faith gets in who he is, guess what? You'll disappear in this race. You'll come to a place where I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and you'll know it and you'll mean it. And that's where he wants to get you. I'm going to be hidden in Christ. I, I want to know that I have authority. Amen. Led by Holy Spirit. Um, uh, how, how many are joined Tuesday nights? And, and I want you to know, you know, when the Lord says like, like when we prayed at the beginning, for those who weren't here, they didn't see the prayer. That's cool. Okay. It's cool to come up and it's fine to go sit back down and say, you know, I don't have a scripture. Okay. There's what? No condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? So, so there's that freedom to really step out and, and to learn. At the same time, being taught, especially those who are going to do groups in the ministry, being taught that, hey, it's okay to, to speak the truth in love. You've got to hear God. How many know Sharon's healing is more important than somebody's feelings? Okay, can everybody get that? All right, so as leaders, you're going to have to realize Holy Spirit's will, what God wants to do right now is more important than people's feelings. God, help me to be bold, but help me to be gentle. Lord, help me to do this in love. Teach me your ways, amen? You've got to learn when to get somebody, especially in your groups. You can't let them run over in the wrong race and take over your group, dragging everybody around the wrong race, all right? You just stop them and say, no, you're in the wrong race. That's all you got to say, you're in the wrong race. Let's, how can you say that in faith? So, so one thing I want you to really be praying about, really, you know, all these different things, but really until we get, you can ask, um, especially like Linda, there's a few people, you know, when you get free from condemnation, it is so freeing. It's totally different in it. Absolutely. It's totally different. And, and so many of you live under condemnation. You live in this, remember condemnation, what does it mean? It's the devil telling you how bad you are. It's the devil telling you anything I say. Oh, she's talking to you. You're so bad. Oh, it, it, so it makes you unteachable. It makes you uncorrectable. It makes you not. What does the Bible say, people? What does the Bible say? If you can't take correction of the Lord, you're illegitimate. How many know the devil's made illegitimate a real normal in our culture? It's very sad. I mean, nowadays we congratulate somebody for not having an abortion. Well, how low have we sunk that we're so happy that somebody didn't murder their own baby? Um, we are happy somebody doesn't murder. It's sad we have to be happy over something that should never even be able to happen. And so then we overlook how difficult it is for an illegitimate child to have a normal childhood. Because they can't until somebody repents and God becomes the father to the fatherless. Same with divorce and stuff. We just tear everything apart and act like it's no big deal. The church has got to get back to doing this stuff God's way and recognizing his heart behind that. 
Amen. We got to quit. We got to. God's going to have us to grow up and say, you know what? This is terrible what the love of money has done. Let's keep people really poor, uneducated, make it really difficult for them. And then let's tell them they have to split up their families or we won't give them free money. <laughs> and then let's make fun of their culture because, you know, there's so many different kids and families and this and that. Nobody knows the dads and all this and that. When all you've done is put people. Now, I'm not blaming. People can get out of that bondage as Christians should. Amen. But we need to start calling out what's really going on and really crying out for holiness in this nation. Lord, we want this to be a righteous nation. We are so perverted as a nation right now. And, and, and nobody knows what to repent of. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. My prayer is, God, can we please get the message out for people to repent so you can turn this thing around? People... Go, go read the Bible. Go read the Old Testament. Go read what happened to the apostles. Go read this stuff. Go read what happens in Revelation and quit living in happy, happy land that nothing bad can happen. What, nothing makes us greater than these other nations that have fallen unless we turn and repent. If my people, Christians, called by my name would seek my face, not my hand, not my wallet, not my promotions, but seek my face. That means intimacy. I want to talk with you, God. I want to know you, God. Humble themselves. Some people don't even understand. You cannot come into his presence without it humbling you. And you got people all around. Yeah, I did this with God and this. I'm thinking, go, go read about people who had an experience with God. Real, real experiences with God. Have a real experience with God. It humbles you. It humbles you. It doesn't make you go and write books and try to get rich off of it and see how many TV shows you can get on. It makes you say, gosh, Lord, do you really want me to tell that? Amen. So we need to keep praying. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there and there's a resource uh, library there. And also check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.